Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And how's everybody doing? Then welcome to the show. Big Dave and Joe from South Florida as the weather just starting to turn here. And, uh, it felt cool. Finally. Outside. Finally. Uh, now people would laugh at us from up north saying this is cool. They'd be putting sunscreen on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We can get down, I think, to a low of 66 tonight. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, hey, boy. what can you do? Uh, a couple tournaments going on down here. The Isle Casino is having their Isle Open, uh, finishing up with a main event, uh, which uh, uh, started day two today, and uh, they are down now to uh, 41 players, uh, just a few away from the money. 267 players this year, uh, kind of a small turnout. They barely made. I don't even know if they ended up making the. Uh, what was the guarantee? Guarantee was three hundred thousand. And what was the buy-in? Two sixty-seven, fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. Yeah, I guess they. they and well, yeah, they got it. Huh? No, they, oh, got they got it. it. They definitely got it. If it's two hundred and sixty something, they got there. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, should, had a lot of entries today. Close to four hundred thousand. Uh, they were short going in, but uh, uh, they had a few players that uh, checked in there. Let's see. I'm trying to see if there's a, a definite. Prize pool, uh, eighty-one no, eighty-one thousand is first prize. I yeah, they 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 actually that's a very good number. They they did a, almost four hundred thousand, so three ninety three hundred ninety something. So if they guaranteed three hundred thousand, they did a nice job, almost thirty-three percent above the guarantee. Uh, yeah, so, so pretty good. They, they they had a lot of players entered today uh, because they were still going. It looks like they started the day with about uh, under under two hundred. So. Uh, um, you know, they, they they took in a lot of action today. They were they were. Uh, yeah, that's how these tournaments that. usually are. The the last day, people kind of wait to see. At two oh seven going in today, so they had sixty at players. Two, at two oh seven, they had already hit their guarantee. They had already hit their guarantee at two hundred and seven. So today was just bonus money. Okay. Today was just uh, the add-on. As a matter of fact, so they had what fifty-four people come in, and there's there's your extra sixty people. Or 67, they ended up. Oh, 267. So actually, they got over four. They should have gotten over 400,000 in the prize pool. So yeah, that all just was the, the, the gravy on top of the guarantee. Yeah. Well, we've been doing this show a while, and we think of the early days when uh, they had the million guarantee for the first time. And I still remember uh, that interview with Mike Smith. A uh, $5,300 tournament. Yeah, and right. he was sweating the bullets. Uh, he says, "I didn't get much sleep the night before the second day," but uh, they had they. They made their guarantee, uh, went a slightly over it, but yeah, that that uh, you know, Mike Smith was was a pioneer here in Florida taking that first shot uh, without any uh, endorsements or any of these poker tours, uh, you know, pounding the ground for you. Right, so exactly. That was very impressive that Mike Smith did. Uh, chip leader, I guess, would be uh, looks like Heinz Heinz Schluter from uh, Germany. Uh, so a lot of people do come in for this. I'm looking at some of the names of people that are still there, and you get some national players. Chino Re- Chino Remus here, obviously, originally from local, South Florida, but he's not a anymore. Local. 
No, he lives in L.A. now, He I lives think. in L.A. now? Yeah, and uh, Josh Beckley is playing, uh, former November 9th. So he might, he might have snuck back in because people are still yeah. following him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, a lot of people have moved here or live here part-time. Uh, Lonnie uh, Harwood is playing. Uh, local Dominique Mosley has played very well recently. Uh, Jake Schwartz moved down here to South Florida. Uh, so a lot of big-name players. Uh, then a few couple of national people. Uh, Marvin Rettenmeyer is playing in this one. Uh, James Calderaro from west coast of Florida. John Dolan is uh, is in this tournament, and uh, from a few Tampa, others. right? Uh, actually, uh, or he moved from there also. Well, actually, I think he lives south of there. Uh, Raisner was from Tampa. Dolan, I believe, was from uh, Fort Myers area. Oh, okay. Mistaken. I thought they were both from from that Tampa area. But a pretty good field, and uh, still battling it out, and uh, a lot of. Uh, Chad Eveslage, a local player, he's right up there, 690,000. And Schluter has, uh, let's see, Schluter has how many? Uh, 670. So those are basically the two chip leaders right now. And then. Uh, and what's the people. money? Uh, First place is 81,000. No, uh, yeah, but what do you know what the 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 money the bubble is? A uh, bubble is 34. Top 34 get paid. So they're doing roughly a little 13% of the field. So yeah. All right. So anyway, that's going on at the aisle. May, may head back over there after the show and uh, kind of see what's going on. I th- probably will finish tomorrow is my guess. Uh, they will play down to a final table and then finish things up tomorrow. So uh, that's going on now. Also, the main event over at the um, World Series of Poker Europe going on. We've been talking about that series. And, uh, again, not a whole lot of players that we uh, know of, although... It is picked up for the main event, so a lot of people came in late, didn't play for the whole series, but uh, are basically over there playing now. And uh, uh, Kristen Bicknell and, and Alex Foxen are playing over there. Uh, Kristen's doing very well in the tournament. And uh, uh see if I can get an update on who's actually leading right now. But a lot of names of uh, the top players that, that I just have never heard of, which I guess is okay. Uh, Dario San Martino I have heard of. He is now the chip leader. Uh, and Rainer Kempe also uh, is a pretty big name that is up in the top five. So those are your two chip leaders as they move through. Uh, that tournament also a little bit smaller than I expected. Uh, 534 entries in the main event. Uh, and 165 players left right now. So uh, they're battling it out over yeah, there. Yeah, they, they haven't gotten the response, obviously, that they've wanted when they started this over there. And... I believe what they do it now every year, right? Yeah, but they right. had stopped it and then did it every every, every other, other year. year and correct. You know, had decided to bring it back. I don't know why the the interest has waned because we do get a lot of people from you know all over the world that come in to play at the at the main event and you know spend a lot of weeks down here. You know, uh, during our WSOP uh, event from the end of May till the middle of July. So. Right. Exactly. Uh, former uh, WSOP champion Ryan Reese is over there, and uh, Chris Ferguson is playing, as we mentioned last week. David Peters showed up, and he is playing Dietrich Fast, and uh, not a whole lot of America players, to be honest. Uh, Kristen Bicknell is hanging in there, 250,000 chips. Uh, Alan Kessler, the chainsaw, showed up, and he is playing over there as well. And uh, Adrian Mateos, the, the Spanish player, who is one of the tops in the world, so... Uh, still a lot of players involved over there, and uh, we'll keep an eye on that during the show and uh, give you all the results next week. Uh, a couple things I want to talk about. Uh, uh, a little strategy uh, that I wanted to mention was about playing uh, on the bubble 
and playing when there when you're when you have the uh, the chip stack leader at your table. So a couple of those things I want to discuss and how you differ your game. Obviously, mixing it up is the key to poker. And uh, you know, yeah, but but people play one style or the other on the bubble, well, that's, Dave. That's probably usually. True. Usually they play one style or the other. Very aggressive to try to take advantage of the people who are just trying to survive to make it. Or, like you said, those that play super cautiously will only risk it if they got aces uh, or kings. Uh, especially if they have enough of a stack to avoid the, the blinds. How do you approach a tournament? Do you uh, try to slowly build it up or do you try to make a couple of big plays right in the beginning and get a big chip sack so you can muscle people around? What's your, what's your well, strategy when you go into a tournament? You know, listen, we've had a lot of great guests here that have told us, you know, you can't, you can't win a tournament on day one. You can only lose it on day one. But that being said, if you don't build up enough chips, even if you survive a day one, but you're going in with a short stack... You know, for me, for day ones, when I've been successful, I, you know, and again, it's for everybody. I'm sure it's the same same formula for everybody, Dave, but most of the tournaments I've played in have been one day, but it could run 10, 11, 12 hours. And when I've done well in those tournaments, um, I've usually picked up some chips early on, because if you pick chips up early on, you know, you're... you're I was willing more to gamble with certain hands, uh, especially if I knew some of the players in there were weak players, um, even with some crazy ones, knowing that if I hit a hand, I'd get paid off because they're always trying to bluff people off. You know, you're reading the table. I have survived tournaments where I've gotten to the bubble, and it, to me, and I'm sure most poker players will tell you, it sucks to sit there and fold your freaking hands just because you've invested so much time and you figure, well... I'm not going to show much of a profit, but at least I'm going to get my money back with a little something for it. And you're trying to survive. And you're never going to hear top pros tell you that. Right. But they also have a lot deeper pockets than most other poker players. Right. Sometimes you, I don't know how you feel if you've been in that situation. Well, for me, a player like me, if I were close to the bubble, I probably would be playing pretty timidly because That's I would just I mean. want to make the money That's back. That's that right. You know. You'd want to make sure. You'd hate to get there. And I have bubbled out on tournaments. But when I've bubbled out on tournaments... It's for one of two reasons, okay? You're so short stack that you may not survive another another you know another go round around the table. So um, you have to pick your hand. You hope you scare off enough people. But if your sh- your stack is short enough, you know obviously the chip leader on the table realizes, hey, I can probably knock this out and get played back to normal, okay? Or you know so that that. That's it, or you you wake up with aces, decide somebody calls you, and obviously you get snapped off with aces or kings, and you've tried to double it up. Now, you know, I don't know if you remember, but Phil Helm, you know, uh, on one main event uh, tournament, you know, he raised like something, and I've read the story, I, I wish I could remember the accurate number, but it was something like 20-something hands in a row, and never got called. Never got called, mm. you know, and in a just, row, in twenty a row, hands in a row on the bubble, mm. on the bubble, he raised, raised no, or shoved? No, no, raised. Okay, he raised and no one called him, no one wanted to get into it with him. 
they wanted to say they survived and got into the money in the main event. Right. And it's a strategy that other top pros have taken huge advantage of. They love to get to that point, even if they don't have a big stack. If they've got a medium-sized stack, they're pushing the hell out of it because they understand that the average Joe, like you and I, Dave, hey, we're happy just to get into the money, and then let's see what happens. And if you look at the main event, you know, you go back in, into history, watch the main event, how long it takes to finally draw, get that last person down, okay? And I don't know if it's helped that the bubble, the true bubble guy at the main event gets the gets buy, a, the buy, buy in for free. For the five. Right. So, so that's like a, a nice little consolation prize if you get knocked down in the bubble. But as soon as the bubble has been broken... Watch how many people start dropping out of out of you know now now the short stacks are in a gambling mood because at that point especially in the main event you know you you've got to move hundreds of players or at least a hundred players to move up to the next level which is probably four or five thousand dollars yes that's a lot of money but you know are you going to survive with a short stack to pick up another four or five thousand dollars you know I don't know exactly how the jumps are but it's usually like fifteen to 20 to right. 25 and it's hundreds of players just to earn an extra ten thousand dollars so all of a sudden play really opens up after the bubble has broken in almost all tournaments because the, sh the short stacks start shoving at this point now they don't care if i'm going to stay here i'm going to i'm going to double triple quadruple up my chips and go from there right uh, i want to talk about a hand that jonathan little wrote a story about uh this month uh it was uh you know, wondering whether you should get tricky on the bubble. If uh, what what hands do you kind of have to play, uh, and then decide how you're going to play them. So he talks about a little story where he has uh, a, the player that he talks about with 20 big blinds. Uh, there's also the chip leader, 60 big blinds, and then the other player in the hand had 40 big blinds. So he's the smallest of the three, but he gets pocket queens. Okay. Now, do you want to snap that off? Do you want to slow play it? How do you want to go into the hand when you see your hand? First of all, uh, depending on what the just blind a couple players, are, just two couple players, players to the bubble, to the money, to the money. You've got a strong enough hand that you would really like to get action on that. You know, maybe someone, someone playing a weak ace uh, or small. You you pray that someone opened, you know, picked up nines or tens and has decided to give you action there. Um, I mean, shoving all in, you're only going to get called by aces or kings if your opponents wake up with that, and then you're a huge underdog, and you're going to steal the blinds and the annies right. on the table. Um, I would imagine most pros, uh, top pros, would try to put in a small raise and see if they can get one of the two bigger stacks to call them, and then play your hand accordingly after the flop. Right. Well, let's talk about this hand a little bit then. Uh, the, uh, the 40 big blind stack is uh, uh, a loose aggressive player, raises to 2.2 to 2 .2 big blinds. Uh, the action folds around to you with a 20 big blind stack, and you call. Uh, he basically says getting tricky on the bubble is not really advisable. He said... Uh, well, I was just going to say, I don't think I'd call there. I'd take a raise to see if this guy, like you said, if he's a, a loose, aggressive player, okay, and he and he doesn't know you to be that, you could take the, that that money right there. He wants to come along for the ride now. Now, you know, as they say, now we're gambling. Now, right. you know, now we're playing. So 
calling there with a loose aggressive guy making a raise. Obviously, it's it's a fifty fifty. You know, it's a the the double edged sword there. I personally would take a raise because I don't mind picking up two and a half times the big blind plus the blind. You know, and and, and picking up the pot right then and there. Or maybe he gets really stupid, and you know, you've decided you're going to take a stands there. Again, every everything to me always depends on how the table is playing, and if I think I could take advantage of it, even with the with two stacks higher than mine. Uh, well, let's let's say let's uh, go through it how it happened. Uh, he did call, and then, or you did call, and then uh, uh, you got to the big stack, and he raises. Uh, let's see, he bet uh, nine big blinds, uh, raised to nine big blinds uh, on the bet, and uh, the initial raiser who had the uh, the first bet folded. Right away. So, so there you go. See, the, the guy, you knew that guy was doing that. And the guy with the big stack might have figured, okay, this guy could be raising with any two cards, which apparently he was, okay, because when he faced a real raise. And the other guy says, well, I'm going to call him, and now he's put the pressure on the smaller stack. Does he really want to risk? Because that's why he didn't take the raise. At this point, you either fold or shove all in. Right. Um, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, he's, uh, Jonathan Little says calling only makes sense. Now, do you call this guy, by the way, or do you? Well, well, listen to me. I'd push all in because if I'm going to call a raise of nine and a half, I'm going to pretty pretty much be pot committed unless that flop comes ace ace king or you know something like that, an ace king on the board. Um, at this point, I want to let him know I've got a real hand. Do you want to try me? And if you do. You know he's got he's got you at three to one in stacks and chip stacks, right? right Sixty right. big blinds exactly. to twenty, but all of a sudden he drops to forty, and and you're and you're tied with the with the big stack at the table if you win that hand. Uh, again, just like I said a little while ago, it also would depend on this type of player. If this man is not the type of man to well, come this over is the a top. well-respected player. He says well-respected player. Well, then at this point, depending on how long I've played with him. Um, you know, I'd have to think twice. Maybe he did wake up with aces or kings. Right. But my my, I don't know if I could just call that there and lose half my stack already, and then play it very that that weakly from that position. It's either I put him on aces or kings, or he's got an ace king, and I want to see if he wants to do a, you know if he wants to race with me. Right. Well, he does go ahead and uh, and makes, shove. Uh, there which you, you said. go. Okay. Yeah. He said calling only makes sense if. Uh, if you think the opponent's going to fold for 11 big blinds or more, which is unlikely to happen. Exactly. So anyway, uh, he does uh, go ahead and shove. And a big blind with his big stack and instantly calls. So they turn the cards over, and the big blind has queen eight offsuit. <laughs> which is kind of surprising, but yeah. uh, again. You've got him completely dominated. Yeah. That's, like I said, he's a respected player. He made that move thinking that the guy showed weakness by only calling the two and a half big blind raise had no respect for the for the for the guy who raised the two and a half to two and a half times the blind he figured i'm going to get them both off their hands with this because i'm in position but you know him just calling the two and a half time big uh raise from the 40 40 blind stack Turned out to be a, a, a good move for him because he was able right. to get someone to make a dumber play behind him. Please tell me his queens held up. Well, I'm gonna. That's the funny part of the story. But uh, he says he talked to talk about the the call by the uh, big blind. He says he despises this call. Obviously, uh, he said I understand the idea of pushing around a bubble with a big stack, 
uh, with a big stack pushing around on the around the bubble. He said, but this doesn't seem like an opportune time no. to do so. He said uh, the initial raiser likely had a wide, wider range than most due to his regular there tendencies. There you go, what I just said. <laughs> he says raising from second position into the big stack and a big blind and multiple 20 big blind jamming stacks without a reasonable range is a recipe for disaster. Uh, the caller uh, could also be trapping. You could also be trapping with a premium hand, which is the case. Yeah. Uh, that said, he, if there's a strong reason to think both players have marginal holding, bluffing with a junky blocker hand could be profitable. But uh, once jammed by the hero, uh, Queen-8 offsuit should probably fold, uh, even getting amazing pot odds. He said against aces, it only wins 14% of the time, and against aces, kings, queens, and ace-king, it wins only 23% of the time. So for the call to be barely profitable, Hero needs to be jamming at least uh, tens or higher, uh, and then he gives the different hands. So uh, he said there's a merit to the idea of letting people know they can't get a lot of line against you uh, because you will snap them off, but the time to do that is typically not when there's a substantial amount of money on the line. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know that if the queen went, uh, I mean, the guy who had the pocket queens goes all in. He's got a strong enough hand, knowing that he's on the bubble and has enough enough big blinds to survive it and make the money, that he was either looking to trap somebody, more than likely the original raiser, right. okay? Now you raised, and he's putting you to the test. I seriously, and assuming that this guy wasn't playing like a complete idiot, you you know, you look at it and you go, okay, I tried to steal it, didn't work on this hand. I could have you use that for later on when someone tries to make that move on you because you kind of show you kind of feign a little bit of uh, of uh, weakness right. and then use that try to use that to your favor later on. Now, in the tradition of uh, your line of uh, the operation was a success, but the patient died. The patient died. There you go. That's uh, what I like to the, say. The the flop was a blank. But an eight came on the turn and another eight on the river. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, but this is where they say you don't want to play the results. Yeah, exactly. You know, the the, oper- <laughs> the operation was a success, but the patient died. You got everything correct there except for the damn river, the turn and the river coming up to nail you in the right. ass. But you know, you ask the top one hundred poker players in the world, and and I'd be shocked if 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 one of them said he would have played this differently. Right. Uh, okay, uh, we'll talk some more strategy when we return. Uh, you're listening to Poker Action Line. Uh, of course, you can always pick up the show on uh, SoundCloud, and uh, you can tweet it out to your friends or uh, send it via email, and uh, we hope you would do that. If you pick us up on iTunes, you can. Uh, we hope you would subscribe to the show, rate it, and uh, uh, give a response oh. of what you think of it. That's something we always appreciate as well. And, uh, of course, there are the other places you can get the show is on our uh Website at PokerActionLine.com or on uh, Hold'em Radio Network. You can also get us on the uh, the Poker Fuse podcast page. So uh, let's take a break, and uh, we'll get back when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. 
You are round MVP. Yeah, man. Yo, Drew, I finally got round MVP. Round MVP. <laughs> no way. That was some ownage. It's a good thing you got me as your wingman. Right. You mean when you threw that flash grenade at me? Whatever, man. Huge round. Seriously, great stuff. Finally earning round MVP takes determination. So will getting into college. I've got what it takes. All right, class. I'm going to pass back your test. And the high score goes to... Brian. Oh, Aww. yeah. High score, baby. We're all good at something. Maybe it's break dancing or skateboarding or video games. Whatever you're good at, you have the skills to make it happen. And those same skills will help you get to college. Visit knowhowtogo.org to learn what you should be doing right now to prepare for college. Start taking the steps at knowhowtogo.org. I've got what it takes. So do you. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Women of Foundation, and the Ad Council. Android and iPhone users. For the full version of WFO Radio, download the WFO Radio app. It's sports radio for racing fans. Thank you. I appreciate it. The ultimate, the ultimate racing, racing show, show, including WFO Radio NHRA Nitro, WFO Radio Ignition, the WFO Radio NASCAR Tailgate Party, news, videos, push notifications, and more. I just hope I'm part of it. Go to the App Store or Android Market. Search WFO Radio and download it now. Now. Uh, last week when we were on the show, we were talking a little bit about the uh, Jacksonville tournament, the best bet bounty scramble. And uh, they were down to the final table. Uh, as it turns out, uh, uh, Tony Tran was the winner. Tony uh, had one time in the tournament had just two big blinds left during day two. And that was with 30 players remaining. Hangs in there, comes back, and ends up winning the tournament. So Good for uh, him. Congratulations, yeah. Tony. Jake Schwartz was second. Kelly Minkin uh, ended up in third place. Ray Quartemy fourth. Ping Lu was fifth. And Dominic Mosley, who's been playing very well, a South Florida player. Uh, Finnett was the first one out, unfortunately. Uh, um, was down to a smaller stack and ended up uh, running into pocket aces. So there's not a whole lot you can do about that. So... Um, the winner, uh, Tony Tran, takes home 341000 Jake Schwartz, 228 uh, k Kelly Minkin, 146 So that well, was the tournament we were talking about last week, and it was headed to th- into the final table. Now that you mentioned Schwartz, uh, this has nothing to do with poker, but uh, being a diehard Yankee fan and uh, us taping the day after the World Series is over, uh, I'd like to congratulations out to my friends who are Red Sox fans and to be honest with you, mentioned that you mentioned that I don't know if you guys over here, because my producer just uh, gave me the one finger salute here for saying congratulations, as he's a diehard Yankee fan. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, uh, Mr. Geo, the reason I rooted for them was I don't know if you saw an E60 report on HBO concerning a, a five-year-old young boy, Ari Schwartz. That 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 little boy brought that, that report brought me to tears and. Uh, in his honor, I, I said, I'm going to, I told my wife, I said, as a Yankee fan, I never thought I'd tell you this, but I'm going to root for the Red Sox just so that little that little boy could be happy in heaven. So, uh, and his name was Ari Schwartz. So, uh, congratulations again to the Red Sox. It's something I never thought I'd be saying as a Yankee fan, but congratulations. Uh, definitely. Um, I, I didn't see much of it, but I think uh, that 18 inning game on Friday kind of really took it out did of you a he- lot of people. Did you hear though what I I didn't know this until I heard some of the report on the radio that I was listening to uh, Boog Shami on this that Ivaldi, who pitched unbelievable in that 18 inning game and then gave up the home run, you know after seven innings of giving up one run, 
that David, his teammates gave him a standing ovation. Yeah, you know, I heard they, a couple of guys all, cried when they were okay, interviewed about that. David Price wouldn't leave his side on the, you know, in the clubhouse, on the, on the ride back to the hotel. And to be honest with you, after hearing that, if I had known that, I'd have play, I would have bet big money on Boston, uh, you know, definitely to, to win the next game, even though they were down 4 nothing, because that just shows you the unity that that team has. After a heartbreaking 18, longest game in innings and hours in the history of the World Series, and, you know, the, the player who lost it, who feels absolutely terrible, even though he, Nathan Ivaldi had just had a, tre- a tremendous postseason, Dave. I mean, what he did against the Yankees, he dominated the Yankees. He, you know, pretty much dominated the Astros. And, you know, this the, he, he had a hell of a postseason, and his teammates appreciated it. And even though he gave up the one home run that, that get, you know, lost the game for them, they, they, uni- they, you know, united behind him. And, you know, it looks like it showed. Dodgers look like a disheveled uh, group of players. Yeah. And you knew once they lost Game Four uh, with that with that four nothing lead in the sixth inning, this this was all but a, the only thing missing was the fat lady singing, as they say. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to poker. Uh, they are playing uh, the WPT uh, tournament in Montreal is underway, and uh, today is one A, and uh, they are just sixty eight players uh, showed up for day one. So Mike Sexton is already out; he's been knocked out, but. Uh, We'll keep an eye on that tournament and talk about it next week. But uh, Montreal is always a uh, – the playground up there is always a big spot for uh, for poker in uh, Canada. Yeah, well, they've always had some great tournaments up there, so. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move on to uh, another topic, and that was the one I mentioned earlier. Uh, how do you approach it when you have the second biggest stack at the table? You know, you, you've been – You've been uh, building up your stack. You've kind of really figured out your table. All of a sudden, the table breaks. You got to move to a new one, and you got a good stack, but you don't have the uh, top stack. So basically, I what do you, what I do, you play, do? I play it like I do have the big stack. Unless I'm sitting at the table with the big stack, I've got the biggest stack in, in that tournament. And even then, you know, again, different strategies. Are you in the stack? Are you in the chip leader? You know. Heads and shoulders above third and below. Yeah, what's you happening know? at the other tables? I guess it all. You understand? All, it depends. It all, right? that, you see, playing online, you have the advantage of knowing what every opponent has, as far as chips is concerned. So you know where you're sitting. Uh, being in second place with the second biggest chip stack, but third, fourth, fifth, and sixth are, are you know, let's say within ten to fifteen, twenty percent of your stack. That to me is not a big. That's not. That's yeah. You're technically in second place, but you know it's it's pretty much of a toss up right then and there because you get hooked up with any one of them and all of a sudden you go from the you know second chip leader to you know probably bottom of the barrel. Uh, so I don't know. I, again, so many questions come to me. Depends on the people that I'm playing, the perception that I believe people have of me as to how I'm going to push those chips around and. And you know, play my hands, and and who has the other stacks and how they've been playing. What's the first thing you do when you go sit down at the table? If 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 I see that everybody is is you know the 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 next highest chip stack is close to mine, I'm going to see if I'm going to get action. Maybe come in aggressive. Um, you know, people see you come into a table. What I'm going to answer this with a question, Dave. When 
when you've been in tournaments and someone has moved to your table that all of a sudden comes in with two and three racks of chips and you're looking down at less than than, than two two stacks of chips you know they they've less than a quarter of a stack of a rack of chips and they sit down tournament's been going on for a few hours what's your perception of that player coming in with all those chips well, I'm going to probably try to avoid him any chance I can get, basically. Okay, that's fine because he's got you that much killed up. But what's your perception of the player? Not not what you're going perception, to do. Perception, I guess, would be that he's playing pretty well. There you go. He's that's good. what most people would do. So you want, I, and that's you how you can't the assume act, that he got lucky on one or two. Uh, exactly. So your perception, see, but see, that's what I mean. He could have gotten very lucky. He could have gotten very lucky on on one or two hands and, and got those chips. You don't know that. But well, the perception is that the player is is a he must be pretty good because like same reasoning he couldn't have gotten all that luck to get there. Yeah. So if if everybody's perception on that table is that you're a pretty good player and you come out swinging, you know, more than likely they're going to give you the respect at the beginning. So you'll probably be able to steal some chips until somebody finally says, "Hey, I got to take a stand against this guy." Well, you do want to avoid uh, what can happen is coming into. Uh, to that situation and maybe folding a few hands right away and letting him feel like he's going to be able to run over you. So you don't want to. Have, you don't want that to happen. What the, for you to be the perception that? No, I don't mind. See, I'm not going to mind this guy because I'm going to assume that he's doing this with marginal hands. Now I don't want to put my my stack at risk with marginal hands. And again, everything also depends on uh, how close you are to the bubble. Imagine if you get moved over there, you know. And half hour, 45 minutes later, you're on the bubble. People are starting to just barely know you now, and you still have that huge chip, uh, chip you know, chip stack on on the table. Now you could really take advantage of it. And yeah. how how important is position at this point? Well, like I said before, Phil Helmuth was able to raise 20 something times in a row and steal the blinds and the annies. Uh He, you know, he didn't give a damn about about position. Now. Today's player, you know, uh, to me, Dave, it's all all it all adds up to the amount of buy-in that you had to do. You understand how large of a buy-in? This is a hundred, two, three hundred dollar tournament. You may not give a damn. It's not going to change your life if you lose those two, three hundred dollars. You know, and you don't get any money back, no return on that. But uh, if it's two, three thousand, five thousand dollars, and you put in a lot of hours to, to get to within the bubble. You know, again, it, it all depends. You know, I, we we have a mutual friend who was playing in a in a decent limits game in uh, in Vegas, and had pocket aces. Got called by a much weaker hand, and you know the person got you know lucked out on him. And <laughs> our mutual friend said to him, "How the hell could you call that that hand?" And the guy looked at him and goes, "Son." Because I got a lot more money than you do, you know. <laughs> it's like him losing. The, you know, he raised to about fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars after this guy had raised to three or four hundred, you know. And guy called with a similar hand that we were just talking about. You know, it was like aces to a to a king queen or something or a queen ten. It, it really wasn't a sixteen hundred dollar hand, but the guy had the perfect response to him. He goes, this doesn't mean it. He, the guy told him, he goes, I make ten thousand dollars a day, so this is no big deal for me. And that's what happens when your luck holds up when you're playing these guys. You want these people calling you when you have those hands. 
You just got to be ready to have your emotional stability uh, rocked a little bit when when they suck out on you. Right, exactly. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about briefly was, uh, well, first I want to mention a good friend of ours, Bernard Lee, uh, actually won a circuit ring this week up in Reno. Well, Bernard, congratulations, Second of his career. sir. Congratulations. Uh, at Lake Tahoe and uh, the uh, Harvey's Lake uh Tahoe event number three. It was a $400 buy-in tournament. He won 11, 11K, and it was his second career wing, ring. And he talks about how he was down here in Florida playing at Coconut Creek cause just uh, in September. Did you know it? I did not know. Oh, man, I would have loved to have gone to meet him. Yeah. And he said he played four events there, and he said things weren't going his way, so he actually left early, uh, didn't play the main. He said uh, he rarely leaves early, but uh, uh, went on to Council Bluffs to play up there, and I know you've been up there before. And uh, so he uh, decided to go to uh, Lake Tahoe and play in there and wins a, a circuit ring. So uh, always happy to see that when uh, players that we know and have had on the show before uh, do well. So Yeah, the people at Council Bluff were very, very nice. And at uh, Harris in Kansas City, I can't say enough things about them. So... You know what? I like that Bernard did that. You know, that shows you how smart a player he is because... I don't, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a in a position because I know you play poker a lot more casually than I've have, but I've been in in situations where I knew that I'd do really well. Like I told you, it's like when you when we read these players, wow, look how he did well here. You're in that zone, that poker zone, but you're also sometimes in that dead zone <laughs> that I call it. That no matter what you're going to do, you just know somebody's going to suck out on you, and you know. My wife likes to say that's a negative thought and that negative things are going to happen. But it's just been a pattern that I've noticed most of my poker life. And if you notice that in advance, why put up that money? Just get out of Dodge and see if see if a change of scenery helps you. Yeah, exactly. And I, li- I like the fact that you mentioned that because I've never heard of another poker player doing that. I'm sure some of them have. But this is the first time in eight and a half years of doing the show that I've heard somebody do that. Well, he said he had his success in uh, Reno after uh, the first – the fir- he blanked the first couple of tournaments, and then he uh, decided to, uh, with some friends, go see the scenery out there, and they drove around Lake Tahoe and, uh, uh, you know, had a really good time. And when he came back, he felt like his head was clear, and, and he all of a sudden started playing better. And, and, and guess what? That's happened to me. I've done like that before. And I'm going to equate this to this because I know that, that you like to play golf, right? You've played a lot of golf. Right. And I... <laughs> Unfortunately, I have not played a whole lot over the last few years, but when I got down here for 20 years, I was playing, you know, two, three times a week. And during the off-season, when, when the, you know, when the prices dropped, it was even more. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Dave, but there was times I'd run good, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're slicing, hooking every damn ball. You know, you, you just, you're just like going, damn, did, 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 you know, did I just fall on my head and forget how to play this, this stupid game? And you get so frustrated, and I would take a month, month and a half off, and all of a sudden come back, and all of a sudden the ball's going straight down the middle. I'm, you know, I'm hitting all these great shots, and I'm going. So that's all I needed to do is take some time off because well, I, I think you were overthinking some of your well, shots. Not only overthinking, but I think in golf, I think uh, the bad habits, little things that you do wrong, creep into your swing, and then the, sometimes the only way to get rid of them is not play for a long time because there's something called muscle memory. And from the, all the times that you played well, uh, when you come back after not playing for four or six months or something like that, 
you know, you will play good for the first time until those things start creeping in again. And and it's funny because what you said right at the beginning of that comment was that you know your your bad habits and you're doing this. Can, can we do a little equation to you know equate that to poker a little bit? Yeah, I think because you've kind of picked up some bad habits. You're, you're not either noticing them because all of a sudden it worked once, and now all of a sudden you're not realizing. Hey, you know, or people have caught on to my little trick and. These are habits, good or bad, you know, in poker and in, and, in, and in golf. And I have found the same thing, you know, when I was playing a lot of golf and when I was playing a lot of poker. If I ran bad, I'd take, you know, they'd call me up for the games and I'd say, hey, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off, guys. i got something to do, this and the other. Normally, I wouldn't tell somebody I was just running bad. I'd just tell them I had to something to do. And it was something like, hey, let me clear my head, kind of, you know, like... Uh, Reboot the computer and then come back in 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 a month or so, well, and, and see if that's happened. And I'll be honest with you, Dave, it has for the most part worked for me in, right. in those time frames. Well, my father was a, a PGA teaching professional, not not a playing professional, but a teaching professional. Taught for uh, about twenty years, and uh, you know, obviously he's biased toward it. But I think a lot of people tell you when you do start playing badly. Uh, you can't really play your way out of it. You better go get a lesson. So uh, is that the really the equal thing in poker is to, well, to have someone take a look at your that's, game? And that sounds like very sound advice, doesn't it? Yeah. Sounds like, I mean, think about it. How are you going to, like, I, I, and I would, I, I would equate this very similar to, um, you know, like you said, if no one teaches you that you've got a little hitch in your swing or, you know, you're not, you're not properly, you know, uh, positioning the ball in golf, well, how are you going to correct that? You understand it's either going to have to be by complete accident, and it's not because, like you said, golf is a game of muscle memory and repetition and doing the same thing. And I guess it makes a lot of sense what your dad said there. You, you get into a certain run. Maybe it's not so much you go and get a teaching lesson because nowadays, you know, you know you've got friends, four, five, six, seven friends, Run run scenarios through them, and see get the different reaction as to how they would have played that. But yeah, it's it's a similar thing. That's like getting a lesson. Now I'm picking the brains of six or seven re, that are people that I respect as poker players, and trying to see you know w- understand why they would approach the scenarios that that I've had very little success in right. in a completely different manner, and how they read a scenario. That before I could finish, they go, did this happen? And you're going, yeah, how'd you know that? Because they're looking at it from a different angle and would have saved themselves a lot of chips if, if you had been looking at it from that angle. So, yeah, that's a lesson. Whether whether it's with one-on-one with somebody or getting a group of respected friends of yours, yeah, I, I, that's, that's, I think, tremendous advice that your father well, gave Well, people you. that we've had on the show, people like Jonathan Little, uh, Rep Porter, uh, Stephen Blay, I'm sure they would suggest that you uh, take one of their classes and, and really spend a little money to make money down the road. Well, remember, yes, that makes sense if you're if you're one of those people that, you know, you're not on the Turkish uh, tour circuit, as I, as I say, you know, where you're constantly jumping from place to place to play. Uh, those people, you know, you... you more than likely, I would imagine, uh, being that I haven't done it, make friends because you're going to be running into these same people in different cities for you know multiple weeks in in the year. Um, outside of that, if it's because you play in your local games, maybe you're the top dog in your game. 
You don't think anybody is your equal or they, no one has shown you that them to be your equal. And all of a sudden you get into that rut. Well, it's kind of hard to ask somebody a question that you don't think is, is even as good as you are, yeah. let alone better. So then you've got Rep Porter School and, you know, all these other teachable things on either online, uh, you know, whether it's a one-on-one in person with a, with a top professional uh, poker player. Whatever helps you get there, because I don't know if this is, I mean, I would imagine in golf, because it's a game of, of mechanics and, you know, and getting the mechanics and do that right. But poker is a game where people have told me, when remember, we haven't talked a lot about it, because I don't think they've done a whole lot of that here. But remember when they used to have all these big teaching courses down here, mm-hmm. and they charge people. And remember Mike Mattisau did it, one at the aisle. Right. My friend Mario that we've mentioned on the show went the to one of these. WPT boot camp. Exactly. Okay. And We don't see much of that anymore, uh, do we? No, we don't. You know, we don't hear that. And I think it's because a lot of the people on the Internet and all of that have taken over, like schools like reporters and other people have gotten, you know, put their, their toe in the water for this thing. But I've had people who have gone to this, and then they've come up to me and said, you know, yeah, you know, I, I got that lesson, but I didn't get a lot out of it. And the reason that they have different instructors is because everybody plays different styles in poker. And you, yes, you do have to get taken out of your comfort zone, Dave. You've mentioned that, how you like staying there. And I did the same thing for many years before I took the leap into into no limit. I was so comfortable in limit poker. And when you decide you're going to make a change in your game, there are various different ways of doing it. And you just need to find your niche in between there because your style may be either too aggressive or not aggressive enough for the way that I play. But, you know, maybe I'll pick up some of that that I can incorporate into my style of game and not just try to copy you. And as an instructor, you know, you can only teach what you feel comfortable with, which, with with what you've had success with. And guess what? Some people just aren't that comfortable doing that. So I used to always tell them, take what you can, what you think helped your game, and try to incorporate it into your game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's take another break on the show. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming uh, election. Uh, you know, last week we mentioned uh, the uh, Nevada governor's race and uh, how that could be very important for the future of poker. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, I want to mention the stuff going on in Florida down here. Uh, there's been an appearance by the Poker Alliance, the former the PPA. Uh, you know, they announced that they were restructuring, and now they've uh, kind of gotten into the politics a little bit of what to do down here in Florida. So we'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line. And uh, we'll f- be back with more of the show when we return here from South Florida. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips 
per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer could purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this hey, year. Hey, Dad, how do you throw a curveball? How do you build a fort? How do refrigerators run? How do fish learn how to swim? Kids ask a lot of questions. How high can you jump? But you don't have to know every answer. How many phone numbers are there? Because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. How do cell phones work? There are thousands of children in foster care who don't need every question answered. What's electricity? They what just need you. What's the moon made of? For more information on how you can adopt, go to AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. And welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe. Uh, before we get to the election thing, uh, I just wanted to mention an article that I read. And you, if you kind of wonder how sports betting is doing, as opposed to uh, to poker, right? What, what kind of numbers? And you can look at New Jersey, uh, which started sports betting in July. That was just a partial month, and it kind of working out the kinks of some of these places. Well, in I don't August. know what the numbers are. My guess is they're very, very good for sports betting. Yeah, it's completely uh, destroying uh, poker. And, you know, as as you would expect, especially in the month of September, and I look at some of the n- numbers there. Uh, now, you you're know, talking about started. betting online? You're talking about I'm talking about online? online and in the casinos. You know, they've obviously uh, uh, teamed with a couple of different places. Uh, uh, PokerStars has a site called BetStars, and DraftKings is a sports book now in the state. Uh, FanDuel is tied in with the Meadowlands Racetrack. So all these places, just to look at some of the numbers here, um, Poker did $1.6 million in the month of September. And there's only three places online now, or uh, the online poker operations are Borgata, which is tied in with Party Poker, Caesars, which is tied in with 888 and Harrah's, and Resorts Atlantic City, which is tied in with PokerStars. So there's, there were seven uh, outlets at one time. Now there's just three. But uh, uh, they did $1.6 million in online poker revenues. Sports betting did $12.6 million. Yeah, well, well, let me tell you, that's always going to be the scenario, uh, Dave, even in Vegas. I mean, you know, uh, first of all, not every sports better plays plays poker, and um, you know, and it's it's just those numbers are never even going to be close to each other. Yeah, they never are. You know, where you make you know, poker is something that you're going to try to make more money on. Um, you know, you're going to 
get whatever the rake is that those numbers are going to variate you know have a little variance of, of, of five to ten percent on a monthly basis but you hope that the wives girlfriends husbands boyfriends you know uh the people who don't play poker but have a partner sitting down at the tables that they'll throw some money in the slot machines or sit or play at the other tables inside the casino but sports betting is 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 that's that's a big monster. And has that sucked money away from online poker? You think? No, no. I, who's ever going to play different poker? Players, different players. I people? mean, first of all, the only There's thing you're going to look at, the only thing, I mean, yes, it has that potential because, put it this way, I would say, oof, forty-five to fifty percent. And I honestly thought the number was a lot higher, but as I, as many years as I've spent as poker room manager, it's forty to fifty percent are sports betters of poker players. I know a ton of poker players that could not care less about how a game is played uh, for financial reasons. They may care as a fan, but, you know, uh, when people used to ask me, what the heck are you doing watching, uh, you know, the Seattle and Oakland playing, you know, at one in the morning on a Wednesday night, I go, I have a very good friend who has an interest in it, my friend Ben Franklin. He has a lot of interest on, on (laughs) on Seattle winning this game. So, you know that's just how it is um but uh poker players maybe the casual poker player but the true hardcore poker player you know they're going to find a way to play in that game they're going to find a way to play in that game that can affect it yes but i don't think to the point where the numbers are going to drastically change right well it's even going to get worse for october because you got uh the nba getting underway in october uh hockey, hockey. Baseball playoffs. Uh, you know, you got college football and pro football, and then of course the World Series. You know, into October. Uh, so exactly, uh, we'll get some numbers for October and see if it's changed even more. Not that uh, online poker is going to completely go away, because it's one of those things where, you know, it's a pretty steady income without uh, you know too much uh, hard work. Exactly. For some of these places. Exactly. I mean, you've got the software already, so you just need somebody to run it. And guess what? You know, we we would see the same numbers we saw years ago, you know, before Black Friday on these sites if, you know, if every state would, you know, uh, pass it so that they could play it and then allow the, the, the commingling of players, you know, it, it wouldn't be a big, it wouldn't be a big deal. It's just, you know, we're... We're focusing on New Jersey because of what, you know, that that stadium and everything going on there. And they have the big casinos in Atlantic City, not quite like Vegas. But if you look at the numbers in Vegas, sports betting, I guarantee you, is kicking the the hell, you know, the crap out of of poker online, regardless. Well, the Poker Alliance is back uh, with some comments and some emails sent out by their new president, Mark Brenner, who's taken over. Uh, Just to clarify what Amendment 3 does say. Uh, there's a lot of talk about it and that it's very misleading the way it's been written. But it says, uh, the amendment ensures that Florida voters shall have the exclusive right to decide whether to authorize casino gambling by requiring that in order for casino gambling to be authorized, it must be approved by Florida voters pursuant to uh, Article so-and-so-and-so-and-so. That's how it's written, but then you have to get into the specifics right. of, of... Which is of first getting on the ballot by having to have a tremendous three, amount of signatures. Three I think quarters of a million people will have to sign right. it. Right, and then you need a 60% approval. That's the number the that... You know, listen, even though the three quarters is tough to get it on there, I'm sure it could get done. It's at 60%. You know, everything else in the state votes, and, you know, for the most part, 
all you need is 50.1%. You know, you just need a majority of the people to 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 agree to it. And Disney, which is one of the biggest uh, the biggest backer of this, and, and obviously the Seminoles, because they don't want any competition. These are two strange bedfellows, as they say. Right. You know, their their interests are completely uh, opposite of each other. But in this particular case, you know, voting yes on Amendment Three will probably stagnate casinos uh, due to the fact that you know these are unobtainable goals. Uh, getting 60% statewide in this state. I think you got a better chance of hitting that the the the, the Powerball or the Mega Millions, in my opinion, and I'm sure that's why they push so hard for this. Uh, so you know, if if you want to see casinos in 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 your town in your county, uh, as we have here in Florida, where they've already taken votes in West Palm, Hillsboro uh, area of Tampa, and up in Jacksonville, where the voters have clearly stated they'd like to see slot machines and everything in those counties, you know. That's why this is on the ballot. So if you want to have that and have that say, it's going to be better done through the through the. And I hate to say this, it's going to be better done through the politicians. I don't think those words have ever come out of my mouth like that before. Well, the comment from Brenner is: uh, Florida's poker community is strong and growing. However, this could change if anti-gambling proponents get their way, and Amendment Three is approved. So we are urging you to vote no on Amendment Three. Um, the problematic referendum will make it very difficult, if not impossible, to expand gaming opportunities in Florida. If Amendment 3 passes, it means there will be no new card rooms, and it definitely means that legalizing Internet poker and sports betting in Florida become overwhelming underdogs. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and they're bombarding them in these last few days. You know, I, I think I see the yes vote at least two to one compared to the no commercials. Yeah, so. a lot of money out there. For sure, uh, but the uh, poker alliance coming back in is a little uh, a little surprising. Let's uh, let's let's take a break here on the show, and uh, we'll finish things up with uh, a couple of thoughts on this. Uh, other things headed around some of these tournaments that are going on, but let's uh, let's take a break and finish things up when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. 
We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Finish things up here uh, with a short uh, segment. Uh, just want to mention a couple things. Uh, ESPN uh, does is doing podcasts now as well, uh, is, as opposed to uh, some of the programs on Thirty for Thirty that they've done. Uh, these uh, documentaries they're doing uh, some podcast only shows as well. And there's one out coming out now called All In, Sparking the Poker Boom, which is basically around uh, around the uh, Chris Moneymaker 2003. Uh, victory. So it's it's always fun to go back and look at uh, an event that really kind of changed poker back in, in that time. Yeah, I remember it very well, don't you? Yeah. I remember the excitement in it. I remember being caught up in that excitement. Uh, yeah, that that yeah, that's definitely the boom right there. I mean, you know, everybody was talking poker back then. Uh, They're finishing things up uh, at the uh, main event of the uh, World Series of Poker Europe, which is being played in Razvodov, the Czech Republic. And uh, they are done for the day. It's 165 players left and uh, finishing things up. They started today with uh, 221 out of the 341 entries uh, remaining. And uh, 81 spots will take home the money. Dario Sammartino is the chip leader after day two. So... Uh, they will come back tomorrow and finish that up. The Isle Casino uh, is having their uh, Isle Open main event, and they are also uh, uh, well. They got a ways to go. They'll probably finish up tomorrow. I yeah, guess. that's going to take a little while. Today and tomorrow, you're right. So uh, we gave you that one. 267 entries, and uh, see if I can get a late update on how many players are left. I might head over there afterwards. Have you been to the Isle recently? No, I have not been there, and. Oof, probably a 36 good players, years. by the way. 36 players left. Last time I was there, I was there. Uh, and didn't we do a show there? Yeah, we did one. And we did there, a show there, ago. and then I went there when I was still working, uh, and not working, but representing on, on, on occasion the PPC people right. when they had one of their tournaments there. Right, exactly. Well, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Uh, some interesting stuff, Joe. Uh, appreciate you. Making a, a trek up from South Florida, uh, South yeah. South Dade, and 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 folks, remember that one segment. I, I love what Dave said about his dad being a, a PGA professional teacher. That's great advice. If uh, you know, what do they say? The uh, the saying about it, uh, insanity is doing the same thing and expecting to get different results. I guess it, it could apply to poker and to, and to golf, as your so. dad said. So uh, maybe just get a, a lesson out there. I think that's great advice. Absolutely. Gio, thank you for all your help as well. And uh, we'll be back with another edition of the show next week. Uh, no November 9. We would have been uh, getting ready for that uh, next week. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll find something to talk about. 
Yeah, there's there's always a little something every week to talk about. A big poker. tournament at the Seminole <laughs> Hard Rock. The Rock and Roll Poker Open gets underway in about two weeks. and uh, So we'll check out what's happening at the Isle Down Air, and we'll report on that next week. That's going to do it. We'll see you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.